Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Today's story is The Little Red Pig as Told by Nanny Piggins. Here we go. It was late in the greenhouse. Derek, Samantha and Michael had gathered around to hear a bedtime story from their beloved nanny. Her brother, Boris, had snuggled in too. He may have been a fully grown, ten foot tall Kodiak bear, but he was also Russian, so he enjoyed a good tale. "'Children,' began Nanny Piggins, "'I shall now tell you a story of terrible hardship. "'It comes from the olden story days, "'when life was so much more bitterly hard "'than the things we are forced to endure now, "'which are bad enough, let me tell you. "'Ever since the supermarket got those very rude automatic checkouts "'that fuss about unidentified objects in the bagging areas, "'I feel that a degree of civility has gone from our society.' But anyway, in the olden story days, things were even worse. The story I am about to tell you took place so long ago that the bakery had not been invented yet. (gasps) How terrible, whimpered Boris. The cake mix had not been invented yet either, continued Nanny Piggins. Oh dear, said Derek. Not even self-raising flour had been invented yet, said Nanny Piggins. Gosh, said Michael, it's a testament to the amazing resilience of pigs that people were able to survive at all, said Nanny Piggins. What did pigs have to do with people surviving, asked Derek. People are pigs, said Nanny Piggins. They are, asked Derek. I thought people were people and pigs were pigs. That is a very piggist attitude, said Nanny Piggins. If pigs are people, said Michael, does that mean that people are pigs? Oh no, said Nanny Piggins. I love humans. Well, I love you three humans, but generally speaking, humans have a long way to go before they're on par with pigs. Don't take it personally. It's a senses thing. Because our sense of smell isn't as good as yours, asked Michael. Yes, no sense of smell, said Nanny Piggins, and no dress sense either. So few people buy from the top designers in Paris. You don't see many pigs dressed in French designer clothes either, said Michael. Only because they like to lead an active lifestyle and they don't want to get mud on the fabric, said Nanny Piggins. Anyway, I digress. I wasn't meant to be talking about the shoddy dress sense of humans. I was meant to be telling you a tale about the brutal dietary hardship of the olden story days, when it wasn't just cake that needed to be made from scratch, but the ingredients had to be made from scratch as well. I shall tell you the story of Little Red Pig. Little Red Pig, said Derek. Is that anything like the story of Little Red Hen? Yes, it's a remarkably similar story, agreed Nanny Piggins. That hen was a terrible plagiarist. Michael did not want to appear ignorant, so he leaned across and quietly whispered to Boris, What's a plagiarist? 
I don't know, admitted Boris. Maybe it's a game you play with a jaw and a wrist. A plagiarist is someone who steals someone else's ideas or words and uses them as their own, said Samantha. Oh, said Michael, wrapping his head around this idea. It happens to a lot of us Pigginses, said Nanny Piggins. People always want to get their hands on our cake recipes. Did you know that Genghis Khan only formed the Mongol horde and rampaged all the way across Asia, the Middle East and Europe because he heard that my great aunt Bethany in Belgium had a particularly fine chocolate gateau recipe that he was desperate to plagiarise? Is that true? asked Derek. There had been nothing about this in any of the history books he had ever read. Oh, yes, said Nanny Piggins. Genghis was very proud of the desserts he served at his dinner parties. He may have destroyed entire civilizations, but it's hard to stay angry with a despot just because he likes to maintain high dessert standards. Little Red Pig just happened to be a great, 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 great times 47 greats aunt of mine, said Nanny Piggins. Was she red? asked Michael. Nanny Piggins was pink. He'd never heard of a red pig, but Nanny Piggins' relatives were incredibly glamorous, so it wouldn't surprise him if they were capable of anything. No, silly, there's no such thing as a red pig, said Nanny Piggins. Except for my great-cousin Gretel, who went to Fiji and fell asleep on the beach. She got sunburned so badly, she was the same shade of red as a stop sign. But red suited her, and she didn't look a jot less fabulous, and it made it much easier to spot her in a crowd. No, little red pig was a normal black-coloured pig. She was called red because she wore a fabulous red cocktail dress designed for her personally by Yves Saint Laurent. She always wore the same dress, asked Samantha. No, Eve's created six dresses for her, one for each day of the week, said Nanny Piggins. But there are seven days in the week, observed Michael. Oh, on the seventh day, she liked to rest, explained Nanny Piggins. And her favourite place to rest was in a nice boggy mud hole. So she wore her bathers for that. Coco Chanel designed those. Little Red Pig didn't care for Coco's designs as much. Black may well be slimming, but who wants to look slim when you could look fabulous? Anyway, Little Red Pig was a Piggins, so of course, naturally, she did like a slice of cake. But as I say, there were none readily available in cake form. She would have to make her own from scratch. But she was a determined pig. You don't wear cocktail frocks in a farmyard unless you're determined to maintain standards. So she was prepared to do what it takes. The farmer had spilled some wheat outside the barn. He couldn't be bothered picking it up. He was not a piggins. So little red pig took it and planted it in a patch of earth. The other farmyard animals saw what she was doing, digging and tilling the soil, and they laughed. Are you farming? asked the horse. What for? asked the cow. The farmer gives us all our food, pointed out the sheep. I am planting these seeds so I can grow my own wheat, explained Little Red Pig. It is rather hard manual labour. I'm not used to using a hoe. Would you like to help me do the work? The farmyard animals laughed some more. Not likely, said the horse. No way, said the cow. Not on your nelly, said the sheep. A few days later, the farmyard animals saw her watering the patch of earth. What are you doing now? they asked. I'm watering my seed, said Little Red Pig. According to the latest scientific analysis, H2O is a vital ingredient to photosynthesis, the process by which plants convert sunlight into carbohydrates necessary for their growth. But the watering can is a little heavy. Would you like to help?
Not likely, said the horse. No way, said the cow. Not in your nelly, said the sheep. And they went off laughing. Little Red Pig tended to her wheat over the weeks, and eventually she had grown a lovely tall stand of the crop. She got a scythe and set to work harvesting. What are you doing now? asked the farmyard animals. I'm harvesting. Can't you see, you great ninny, said Little Red Pig. She got a little testy at this point because there's only so much mouth-breathing ignorance one pig can take. Do you want to help? If not, push off. Not likely, said the horse. No way, said the cow. Not on your nelly, said the sheep. The animals left laughing. It took Little Red Pig all day, but by nightfall she had collected all her wheat and taken it back to her home where she ground it up into flour and set to work baking a cake. Naturally, she was a piggin, so she already had Norwegian butter, Belgian chocolate and Jamaican sugar in her pantry. She combined all these ingredients and started to bake. The wonderful aroma wrapped around the farmyard. All the farmyard animals could smell it. It was the most heavenly thing they had ever sniffed. And they had to spend a lot of time sniffing horrid things because they lived on a farm. And you would be shocked to know how many animals who live on farms have no idea how to use a flush lavatory. They all found themselves being drawn to Little Red Pig's house. And they watched in through the window as she opened the oven and drew out a staggeringly gorgeous chocolate cake. It was breathtaking. You know how the Mona Lisa is considered the most brilliant painting of all time? Yes, said the children. Well, this cake was a million times more impressive artwork than that, said Nanny Piggins. It was a work of culinary genius. It smelled so good, it would put you into a coma of happiness if one sniff didn't make you want to stay awake long enough to taste it. Little Red Pig turned around and saw that she had an audience. What do you have there? asked the farm animals. It's a cake. What do you think it is? A house brick? asked Little Red Pig. She was getting very impatient with them now. It smells really good, said the horse. It looks really good, said the cow. I bet it tastes good, said the sheep. Really? You think so? said Little Red Pig. Would you like to try some? Oh, yes, yes, please. Yes, 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 bellowed all the animals. And she said no because I didn't help her with any of the work, guessed Michael excitedly. Michael, what have I told you about interrupting my stories when I get to the good bit? demanded Nanny Piggins. Don't do it unless I want a short, sharp stomp on my foot, said Michael sheepishly. Exactly, said Nanny Piggins. I'll let you off this once, because all this talk of cake has probably addled your brain. But please, do try harder in the future. Now, where was I? The animals had just asked for a piece of cake, said Derek. And she was about to say no, said Samantha. Ah, that's where you're wrong, said Nanny Piggins. My great aunt, Little Red Pig, said, fine, you can each have a slice. The farmyard animals started cheering. Hooray, yippee! If, continued Little Red Pig, you each give me one million dollars. What, said the horse. You've got to be kidding, said the cow. We're farmyard animals, said the sheep. We don't have that kind of cash. Those are my terms, said Little Red Pig. You may have a slice for one million dollars. If you don't want a slice, that's fine. I will even give you a little bite each, so you know exactly what you're missing out on. The animal stepped forward as she carefully cut a quarter teaspoon of cake and handed it to each of them to try. As soon as the cake touched their taste buds, the farmyard animals realised... They'd made a terrible mistake. 
They realised they should have helped little red pig grow her wheat, asked Michael. No, they realised they had to get their hands on a million dollars each because the cake was so mind-blowingly good, there was no way they could live without it. They all ran off into the night to get a million dollars. But how would a bunch of farmyard animals get a million dollars, asked Derek. A million dollars each, said Nanny Piggins. I don't know. I think there was some borrowing from wealthy elderly relatives, a bit of cryptocurrency trading and perhaps some light bank robbery. Whatever it was, they all found the money and brought themselves a slice of cake. And Little Red Pig took her millions of dollars and flew to the French Riviera, where a pig with her fabulous sense of style was much more comfortable than in a farmyard. The end. Time for bed. But what's the moral of the story? asked Michael. The mole, said Nanny Piggins. There were no moles in the story. It was about farm animals. Are you thinking of Wind in the Willows? That has a mole and a rat and a toad. No, the moral, said Derek. The lesson you learn from hearing it. Oh, I don't believe in stories that do things like that, said Nanny Piggins. You need to develop a moral compass for yourselves. When you find yourself looking to fictional pigs for guidance, no matter how well-dressed they are, you're going to end up in trouble. Come along, all this talk of cake has made me want to bake. But you said it was bedtime, Samantha pointed out. It was nearly midnight. Oh, you'll never get to sleep now, said Nanny Piggins. You need a nice, heavy slice of chocolate mud cake in your stomachs to weigh you down so you don't roll around too much in your sleep. Come along, last one to the kitchen is a rotten piece of tofu. And they all took off running. The end. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. To support this podcast, just buy a book by me, R.A. Spratt. There's lots to choose from from across the Nanny Piggins, Friday Barnes and Pesky Kids series. And now there's the book Shockingly Good Stories, which was based on this podcast. You can order any of these things through your local bookstore or go to my website, raspratt.com, and click on the book depository banner. They have all my titles and free international shipping. That's it for now. Until next week, goodbye.